songs we were singing there it's every song has meaning everything we sing in worship you should really let the words cut you to the heart because it's every single thing that we sing has meaning and as I was worshiping and singing and I that's one of the songs that was saying this is how I thank you you know and everything that you do that causes you to act by faith and be uncomfortable is how you thank the Lord and sometimes we think that it ties into the message a little bit, and this just kind of hit my heart as I was worshiping. Sometimes we think it's our righteous deeds or we got to be perfect and we're trying to please God in that manner. But the Bible says you can't please God without faith. And sometimes faith causes you to do things that you don't want to do, that you're uncomfortable with doing. Even like this, I was thinking like some days it's hard getting up here. Some days... You know, you don't feel like you have it all together or the kids are going crazy. And you do it anyway by faith because you have to trust in the Lord. And whatever it is the Lord's calling you to do, sometimes it's going to push you to be a little bit uncomfortable. But that's really how we thank the, the Lord is the things that we do by faith. So I hope you take that. And, and as you come into a place of worship, listen to the words and get cut to the heart. Uh, um, she was talking about uh, raising your hands and just just letting go. I had to learn that process where that was very uncomfortable for me, where just raising my hands would cause me to be uncomfortable because I came from a Catholic background and it was very, you know, Puritan style. And so I, just to get in a place and put my hands up was extremely difficult. And so I had to get to a place where the Lord was so real to me and that I loved him so much that I was putting my hands up for a reason, not because everybody else in the room was doing it. And even if you start there, that's a good place to start. But eventually the Lord wants to, through his word and through a spiritual encounter, wants to touch your heart in a way where you're raising your hands because you have a reason to raise your hands. Because you just have developed an affection for him and a praise in your heart that putting your hands up is the least you can do. That there's a song inside of you that he's put in you. I think last week or the week before, Collins was singing that where he's saying he's giving you a new song. And I pray that he gives all of us a new song, a song of joy, a song of praise, a new song for a new season where the Lord will put new songs in you the longer you walk with him. You know, when you first get saved, he'll put a certain type of song in you where you're grateful and you're thankful and you say, blessed is this day forever because I, I've been reborn, I've been renewed. But then as you walk with him more, you'll go through seasons of trial and tribulation and different types of things and it requires a new song to come into your life because it's a new season. So I just pray that over every single one of you right now that as we go forward in this new season, even myself, Lord, that you'd put a new song in each one of us, that you'd put a new reason for us to worship and praise you as we get to know you on an even deeper level, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. So uh, Callie had mentioned today's uh, Palm Sunday and traditionally that's what people talk about and the Lord kind of... Um, led me to Ephesians, which I was like, you know, Miles always preaches out of Ephesians. I don't want to preach out of Ephesians. I feel like he lives there. But, you know, you've got to obey what the Lord says, and I feel like there's something in there for all of us. But just touching on the fact that it's uh, Palm Sunday, if you just go through that story a little bit, uh, there's so much to read into what, ha what was happening there. As Jesus tells the disciples, go and get the donkey that's already tied up. And it's, Scripture says that 
he knew exactly where it was, where the owner had left it. And, you know, there's symbology in that, and that sometimes when people refer to the donkey, you know, like people will say, you could be the donkey that the Lord rides on, and sort of like a connotation, because we use donkey in a negative way, as like a foolish person. <clears throat> but, you know, the Lord doesn't use fools. In the Bible, when we read the foolish, it's those, the unwise, those ones that are unbelievers, that don't listen to the Lord. That's not his children. It's more of a surrendered, obedient heart. It's not that we're foolish. It's that we are wise and we know to be obedient to the king. And when we get in a place where we are so humbled and walk in humility, he can then use us. And then all of a sudden, the king is making himself known through your life. And that's the picture he's trying to give us. So he gets this donkey, which is a symbol of humility, you know, because a king would ride in on a stallion, some, you know, like the biggest horse you could find so everybody could see it. And Jesus chooses this donkey, which is really a symbol of humility. And it's the key, because he's showing us, this is his preamble to the victory at Calgary, that he's coming into Jerusalem and he's about to have his victory for all of us. He's about to defeat sin on the cross for all of us. And he does it riding in on a symbol of humility. And that's the key as we go forward into scriptures and we learn how to walk in humility, that God's teaching us an opposite way the way the world works. The, the world doesn't work that way. And so we just look at that today, that we enter into victory with him, that he already won it for us, but we have to cooperate with that victory. Where he's given us the victory, and we sing that in worship a lot, we hear it praised a lot, but if we don't cooperate with the victory, we will have losses in our life. And we're, we're struggling, and he's showing us through the donkey that the key to having that victory is humility. That when we surrender our pride, our fear of man, all these things that keep people from raising their hands, from maybe coming down here and having an encounter with the Lord, that humility will always get you to the place where you have an encounter with the king. So um, I think we'll start off at... Um, Romans chapter 12, I'm just going to briefly talk to a very scripture that you guys all know, and I'm going to briefly go to 2 Corinthians, then we're going to spend the brunt of our time in Ephesians. But before I get into that, you can go to Romans if you want, it's just uh, chapter 12, it's a small portion, but um, I'm just going to share a quick snippet of my testimony, because I know some of you know, but um, I don't have, it would take all night to share everything, so it'll be the drive-through version. But I know many of you probably haven't heard it. So I grew up in South Boston at a time when it was really bad drugs and, and organized crime and just a lot of dysfunction. Actually, at the time when I was a kid, we made headline news because there was an epidemic of suicides. Nine kids in one week commit, tried to commit suicide, and it made head, headline news because South Boston is a very small town. And four of the kids... Uh, actually survived. Five made a pact, and one of them died, and the other one survived. They all tried to hang themselves together. And you have to ask yourself, what type of environment is going on where children are making pacts to commit suicide? There's heavy oppression there, and that, that's what the Lord saved me out of. That's what I grew up in, where, where it was a, a close-knit town, but drugs had just taken over to such a degree that it was destroying families. Families were not uh, I grew up without a dad, so there was a lot of single moms, and you couple that with drugs and dysfunction and, and men that were heralded as uh, brave or courageous being in organized crime. So this is what people looked up to. 
And so that's what I gravitated to, watching movies and gangster movies. And in and, and not having a father, I look to those men because you, when you live in a hard surrounding, you have to harden yourself in order to survive. So you don't want to get picked on, and you don't have a father there to protect you, to teach you right from wrong. So you gravitate towards the people that are getting respect and are not being picked on, and they were the worst examples, right? And so then you, you get introduced to drugs, and you start coping with the bad decisions you make by self-medicating. And this is a story that could go into any town anywhere in America right now, and, it, and it's playing out over and over and over again. And so the Lord saved me out of that, and so I'm going to talk tonight a little bit about the renewing of the mind because I know it well. It's really what transformed my life was the word of God. And, and as I, just a little bit more about the story before we jump into the word, I was really in a place where I wanted to change but couldn't. You know, people will tell their story and they'll say they had one foot in the world and one foot in and, the, and you're trying to go in two different directions. You're getting pulled and you have no real answers. And I had known from growing up and going to church that Jesus was my only answer, but I didn't have a relationship with him. So I, I had met my now wife, uh, then girlfriend, and there was just a, a glimpse of me wanting to have a real future where in reality, if you had talked to me then, I had just given up on life. I had just assumed that I was always going to be a criminal. I was always going to you know, go to jail, and I had been to jail many times, and I just had succumbed to that lifestyle. And then I met my wife, and for the first time, I felt like I wanted to change and that there was hope, but I didn't know how to do that. And so the only answer I had was God. So I just went to church, and I would sit in the very back so nobody would see me because I wasn't sure if I was going to be committed. And I didn't want people saying, hey, where were you last week? So I just sat in the back. I'm not even listening. I'm just praying to God, and I'm asking him for help because I'm going to court, and I'm, gonna, I'm facing a lot of years in prison. And I knew I was going. And so I, he was my only answer. You know, every other door had been closed. And so I would go there, and for that one hour a week, I would just feel at peace. And then I would leave, and for the whole week, I was like a mess with anxiety and stress because of my court cases, because of the financial burden. You know, we're, we're planning a wedding, and we can't afford it, and her family didn't know about my history, and just every possible thing that you could imagine could go wrong was going wrong. But I just had this one glimmer of hope that I would just reach out to God. And I wasn't even praying, God, you know, save me from everything. I was asking him to change my heart. And I believe that that's the key to everything. That when you're authentic with God about a heart change, he will come. Because he could remove all the circumstances that were going wrong. But if my heart didn't change, I'd end up right back in the same circumstances. And he wants to heal your heart. You don't have to be a hardened criminal you don't have to be the, live the life that I lived. Every single one of us, because we live in a broken world, we live in a world where people have broken hearts. Our hearts, somewhere along the way, gets broken by somebody and something. And depending on how resistant we are to the love of God, that, that brokenness will just get harder and harder and harder because it's a coping mechanism to, to survive. And we're all like that. We all do this. This is why when we come in here, there's walls that are up that makes us not be able to enter in. Because there's things in there that we've hardened ourselves to and shut the door on that we don't even want to touch because it's so sensitive. And then we pretend like it's not there. But the Bible says that out of the heart flow the issues of life. So you always look at how your personality is manifesting and it's a, it's a correlation to what's going on in the heart. 
So if you're, you're unable to worship the one who's worthy of being worshipped, it's just a revelation on the fact that you haven't met him like you could. It doesn't mean you don't know about him. It doesn't mean you haven't met him at all. But there's deeper revelation as I've walked with the Lord through over the years that every time I encounter a new aspect of his love for me, that's what changes my heart. And there's healing that takes place. And that, that healing of the broken heart starts to let me out of some of the cages and the bondage that offense has put me in. And so the more circumstances that you've gone to that the enemy has affected you, the more bondage that you're going to be in. And the answer is God's love. And you know, that's always been my message, is the love of God. The, the, the Lord spoke that to me, and tonight um, someone was praying over me and, and said that. And it was, it was, you know, I heard it because that's personal to me, that only God would know. Because he had told me that and I heard his voice say that to me where I was just in a church and I was hearing good preaching and it was in the word, but, but the love of God was not on it. And it grieved my spirit. And I was just like, Lord, you know, everything he's saying is true, but I don't feel your love in the message. I feel like that's the message. And I heard him very clearly just say yes in a whisper. And it's like my, my skeleton shook is the only way I could explain it. It was like, I was like, what was that? Was that, like, it wasn't here. It was down here. And it was like, out of a whisper, my, my skeleton shook, like trembling. And I knew it was the Lord, and I knew that his message really is a message of love. Because love is the key. I wasn't even planning on preaching on this. So I love, you know, uh, Cal, you'll always ask me, what's the title of your message? And I'm like, I have no idea. Because I really try to just let the Holy Spirit say what he wants to say. And it, it's frightful. Because you want to prepare a message, you want to have it nice and clean, and you're going to stand up in front of everybody, you want you to be blessed, and you want to feel like you got it together, but it's just not the way the Lord's going to do it with me. It's got to be by faith, but he, he always shows up, and it's just, it's the years of my history with him, where I'm not reading scriptures to you and quoting scriptures, I'm sharing with you how his word has changed my life, and so it's just an honest revelation of my relationship with him and that's what he wants for every single one of you where there's no cookie cutter thing and you can you can recite scripture all day long and, and not have a healed heart and we just don't want to do that I, I want to have a testimony to go along with the scripture of how that scripture changed me and turned me more Christ-like and, and testimony is how we reach people Testimony is how people relate to what you're saying because you become vulnerable in the moment and you're not just somebody on a podium sharing scripture, but you're somebody that's walked with the Lord and, the, and you've trusted him and, and you've trusted him in the deep secret places of wounds that you don't let anybody else into. And that's what I want to draw you into as we talk about renewing the mind because the scriptures tell us to do that because as my mind is changed, that's why it's all about belief. The Bible says, as a man believes, so he will become. As a man believes in his heart, so he will become. So I have to change what I believe about myself, what I believe about God. And as those two things change, as my identity about myself changes, as what I think about who God is changes, it will cause a transformation to come upon me. It is not behavior modification. It's not don't do this anymore. Because if you could just do that... <laughs> It would be done. We can't do that. It's the love of God that changes your taste for the thing that you do. That, that where, 
you do things and you recognize, I probably shouldn't say that, I probably shouldn't do that, or there's something, and you don't even come into agreement that you want to change, but in a moment of weakness, something comes out of you, but it's the love of God that comes into your heart that changes your taste for that. So that where it doesn't taste good to you anymore to gossip. It doesn't taste good to say something bad about somebody. It, your, your literal taste for how you live changes. Because you see him for who he is. And because you identify as his child. So Romans 12.2 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, and I'm reading out of the NIV in case it's not the same translation. In view of God's mercy to offer Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Amen. So you will only be able to do that as a sacrificial offering is if you really see him and you really love him. Everything else, it's just like, you know, you're doing, you're learning Christianese. You're learning church stuff. You're just copying what other people are doing because you don't know any better. So understanding has to come. Revelation has to come from the Holy Spirit. And when revelation hits your heart, you have to take it and cooperate with it. Amen. The hardness of the heart will say, I hear that, I understand that, but you just block it out because it's too hard to reconcile what's going on. And in, in, in even the tears, even holding back tears. It's a revelation of hardness. And coming from someone who, who, who lived a life of being hard so that other people wouldn't mess with me, you know, putting on a facade that then required medication to live that way because in my spirit, that's not who I am. So I had to get drugged up just to be comfortable with myself because I was doing things that I wasn't in agreement with, but it was a survival mechanism. But that's, we're all kind of, I did it to the extreme, but we're all kind of living that way. Whereas God wants to come in and show himself to you so that there will be a place where, where your life really is a living sacrifice because you see that he's worthy of that. That you'll do the hard things by faith that he's calling you to because he's calling all of us to something. And you'll continue to walk with him and it will be a fragrant offering. It's the stuff that's hard that's a fragrant offering. We see that over and over. I didn't understand that where... In my seasons where it seemed like everything was wrong and I wasn't experiencing the joy like I want to and having this awesome season, but that was the season where it was a fragrant offering to the Lord where I was still praying, still worshiping him, still giving him thanks because it's in that place that your heart is authentic. It says, this is what I was getting at, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. So there's really... We can have an encounter, which is necessary, which we're going to get to, but without the renewing of the mind, without the, the scripture changing my belief system, I can get off in deception real quick. Because listen, there's lots of supernatural stuff out there. New age is a thing because people have experiences in it, but it doesn't make it the truth. So I can have an encounter, but unless I'm renewing my mind, Something can take me down a road real quickly that's not God, but because it's supernatural, I think I'm, I'm verified. I think it's okay. So the scripture has to be, and to be honest with you, this is how I encountered God, through the gospel, through the power of the word. It totally transformed my life. It was many years later before I was baptized in the spirit, and we need both. That's the, that's the message, is that we need both the renewing of the mind and flipping over to 2 Corinthians 4.16, just real quick. It says, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed 
day by day. These are all scriptures that everyone probably knows. But we see two things going on here. We see the renewing of the mind through scripture, and we see this inward man talking of our souls being renewed day by day. Because when you get born again, your spirit is made perfect, but your soul needs a renovation. And and in fact, in the Greek, when it says be filled, we're going to read this in Ephesians, the word filled actually means to renovate. Jesus wants to come in and renovate and get in all the rooms and open up the doors and turn the lights on and bring healing so that there's a place, there's a place for partying, there's a place for rejoicing. But sometimes we have rooms that are still closed off to the Lord because of hurt. And even though we're born again, even though we're saved, even though our spirit has been regenerated, it's the soul that Jesus wants to renovate. This is being sanctified. This is how he says, by the one sacrifice, he is made perfect forever, those he is making holy. So I have to cooperate with the holy part. I have to see myself as worthy enough to want that. Because if I'm, you know, this is like one of the things that people, for years, it's like, if you talk about self-righteousness, holiness, you know, not self-righteousness, but righteousness, seeing yourself as righteous. It's like people can't even utter it because it holds you to a standard. Like when I first got saved, I didn't want to put any Jesus stuff on my truck because I didn't trust myself. I didn't want to be a bad witness because I was like, oh, if someone cuts me off and I start flipping out, they're going to see my cross or something and then I'm going to look like a bad witness. But what am I doing? I'm letting myself off the hook. Right? I, I, I'm not, if I don't, so I'm not even believing that's who I really am. See, it's okay to make a mistake. That, that's the point. It's in our, the, the system of faith has caused us so that in our mistakes, he still loves us because it's our faith making our, us righteous. So now I've put a standard on myself, though. I've accepted the mantle of son or daughter that he's offered to me, but I have to put it on. And so as I put it on and I live that, all of a sudden I cannot let things come out of my mouth or thoughts into my mind that I know are not in line with his holiness and his righteousness. So this is the process of renewing my mind. So I'm, I'm reading in the scriptures who I am. That's why it says one who hears the word but doesn't obey it is like someone who saw themselves in a mirror but went away and forgot what they looked like. It's speaking of identity And so I have to see in the scriptures what God thinks about me, and then I have to believe it about myself. But there's those inward things in the inner man that are lies from the enemy that have come through through trauma, offense, and it could be even friends, family members. It could be something so insignificant that you thought was insignificant, something someone said to you in school in sixth or seventh grade that you just buried away. And all of a sudden, that room's been locked forever. And now all of a sudden, because Christ can't get in that room, there's a closeness that he wants so that you can reach the full measure, but that you have to allow the door to be opened. This is why he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. So I got to open the door to all those places and allow him to come in and renovate. And, you know, it should be an exciting thing because have you ever seen somebody doing renovation on their house? And you're like, oh. I'm so sad this is happening. Terrible. This is going to come out terrible. No, they're excited because there's something new is happening. It's going to be so much better than the old. You know, we've got to see that that's where trust comes in, where we've got to see that what God is trying to renovate is going to be so much better. I love the person I am today in Christ. When I look at pictures of myself before, I can just see it in my countenance. I'm like, oh, my God, 
thank God I never have to go back to be that person because it, it, that person's really gone forever. That was never really who I was anyways. See, and that's the reality is some people are holding on to something that you're really not anyways. You're letting the lie speak louder than the truth. What Jesus is saying about you is so much more truthful than anything that anybody has ever said to you. And you have to believe it. See, because he can't force himself on you when there's a lie taking root because then it will foster the lie. Then you'll be allowed to stay the same and you'll feel, you'll feel verified. You'll feel like, oh, no, I've got it all together. When I, I've encountered the Lord so many times and it's, it's like a never-ending process where I'm still like, okay, Lord, what else? What, show me something else, Lord. What else? But see, I have to watch this is the key. I have to be honest with myself and watch what's coming out of my mouth. And sometimes, you know, when I'm tired, my guard is down, and maybe that's a good thing. Because there's something that comes out of there, not in a place of shame, but going, God, but why am I still feeling this way? Why, why would I say that? Or why would I do this? See, you have to be the steward of your heart and be honest with the Lord, because he, then he'll come and minister you in that place. And then you can get to the root of a thing. So let's go through Ephesians because I feel like there's, this is the brunt of where we're going to stay. Let's see how far we get. He says, for this reason, oh, sorry, uh, chapter 3, verse 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power. Somebody say power. power. Through his spirit in your inner being. Where? In your inner being. Whose power is it? His power. So there's power that he wants to bring in your inner man that's going to strengthen you. So that's different than the renewing of the mind. The renewing of the mind is changing the way I, I believe. But there's a an, an, an encounter with the Lord in my inner man that strengthens you and also reveals his love for you. See, this is why the Bible says that the letter alone brings death, but the spirit brings life. Because if you just have the letter alone without the spirit coming in with life and love and breathing the revelation of what he wants to do on you, you will get so religious and believe me, religious people love to keep the hardened heart. They love to keep the door shut because it's about action. It's about obeying rules. It's not about healing the heart and stewarding my own self. It's about this religious thing I got to do. And then I'm looking at everybody else and, and, and judging everybody else because they're not doing it. But see, somebody who has a true heart change is going to look and feel in, in love like Christ. And it's the compassion, it's the fruits of the Holy Spirit that reveal the true transformation. It's not whether or not I can memorize scripture or, or, or all these things. It's about, is the fruit of the Holy Spirit coming out of my life more and more? Like you'll hear people say, oh, I'm, just, I'm losing my patience with this person. Or I'm, I'm so frustrated, I need more patience. And what we're saying is, I'm not renewed, I'm not patient. And you're coming in to identify with it when, no, this is who I am. I am patient. I'm patient in Christ. And so when a lack of patience comes, it's not really me. I'm not going to come and identify with that. I'm going to just push it aside and continue to ask the Lord, why is that coming up over and over again? What is this one thing, whether it's anxiety, fear, anger, all these different things that are birthed out of a wound in the heart? 
So if I just keep trying to do the behavior modification and I keep learning scriptures and I keep doing this, but I never deal with the root cause of why that stuff is happening, it will never leave. And then all of a sudden, the victory that he won for us is sitting there, it's mine, but I'm resisting cooperating with what he wants to do because I'm afraid how it's going to look or I'm fearful of opening that door because it hurt so bad, it was sensitive, all these things. There was a place where I had to get so desperate for the Lord, even after I was saved, to have a touch from the Holy Spirit because I needed to overcome my fear of man. I needed to overcome my fear of what people think. And, and I just, it's different for everybody. You know, like the Lord's not going to do the same thing with you he's done with me. There's no, you know, like cookie cutter mold because everybody's heart's different. It's the thing in your heart that's keeping you back from going to that next step. Because we can't live off of what, you know, our testimony from when we got born again or from the last time he touched me. It's from glory to glory to glory, like it's never going to end. So I don't want to live off yesterday's testimony. That's why I hardly ever share my testimony because the Lord's doing so much now in my life. I, I just want to talk about, it's like, it's awesome. And so if, if you're not having testimonies, it's, you're not doing it right. Because if, if you're walking with the Lord, you're going to have a testimony about what he's doing in your life. Because that's what he wants to do. He wants to show his glory off through you. And he will do it through testimony. But I have to like lay some stuff down. I got to cooperate with it. So he says, oh yeah, this power in, in, in his spirit, in your inner being. So that's the inner being that we're talking about, the soul. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love. So we see that when we have the offense take root in our heart, you hear that root of bitterness, right? So there's these little wounds that put out roots, and they're roots of bitterness. And we cover them up with all kinds of stuff. We can even cover up with worship and Christian stuff and serving. And then all of a sudden, somebody just doesn't acknowledge what I did for them, or somebody's this or doesn't do this. And all of a sudden, uh, there's like offense coming. And it seems natural, but the reality of it is it's, it's not going to be there when Christ is the fullness in your heart because Jesus never did it. So if I can't put it in him, I don't want to put it in me. I've got to use him as the model. So I don't want to make excuses for it, but that he still loves me even though I'm in that. So I'm, it's not bringing me to a place of shame and condemnation. It's illuminating the fact that, okay, this is my next step with the Lord. I'm going to work on this. And that's how it's been my whole life where I run into things old behaviors, bad habits, and then me and the Lord deal with it. And then breakthrough comes. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, I'm on to the next. And you know what? He doesn't reveal the whole thing at once because it probably overwhelmed me. So he just, he's letting me know, I love you. I'll share this one testimony. It's like so good the way the, the Lord works. He was like, I was praying one day and I was getting ready because I teach on Thursday nights and I was getting ready to do a video about some stuff going on and it was rubbing me the wrong way. And I was like, oh, I got to correct this. And I was just like, you know, kind of fleshy about it. And, you know, and sometimes we cheer that on, right? It's like, oh, go ahead, say it, tell them, you know? And it just reveals, like, we, we, we want it too. But the reality is it's not the Lord, you know? And so he didn't say to me, you know, you're doing this or that. I'm just praying. And I very clearly heard the Lord say, a portion of my children abase. And I knew it was the Lord because I had no idea what that means. So I'm like... I definitely didn't say that because I got to go look up what a base means. <laughs> Matter of fact, I, I'll, I'll just read it because I don't even know. And he says, 
to behave in a way that belittles or degrades someone. And I was like cut to the heart, man, because I knew he was talking to me, but he, he loves us so much. He didn't even direct it at me. He let me put it in my own heart. You know, like I had to ask my, I could have just went right over that. Yeah, you know, a bunch of your children do a base. That's crazy. I got to find them guys and correct them. <laughs> right? Because that's initially what I was thinking. And then I said, wait a minute, am I doing that? Right? So that's the thing is we hear scripture all the time and we think of the person that it most affects. And it probably does affect them. <laughs> right? But it's like, where am I in that picture? Because that's what, and I just love that the Lord is like, yeah, a group of my children, a portion of my children. And I've got to put myself in there or not. And I, then I have the, the right to take myself out of that very quickly. And he's like, okay. Because it's by faith. You know, so my, righteous, my righteousness was never affected. He's just opening the doors for me to see conditions of my heart in a way that's not going to floor me like a, a mess. And then all of a sudden, every time something is removed, there's a, a deeper compassion in my heart for people. Why? Because I recognize who I was, was in being. And so now I have compassion for other people that are that way and don't see it yet. So I'm not judgmental because I'm with you. This is what Paul says when he's going through this laundry list in Romans of these horrible things. And then right after he says, but you were all that. Like all of us, we, we were all that too. So who are we to judge, he says. So it's like, that's where the compassion comes from. It's from me seeing who he really is and how he operates and how much he loves me. Me seeing myself as I really am, still accepting his love, but then allowing his love to change me so I don't do that anymore. Another, uh, this is another awesome testimony I'll share with you because this was another one that was like weird. I'm, I'm on a jog and I'm running, and I, I used to live by the water, and I see this young kid take, like, a seafood plate, styrofoam, the, the utensils, everything, and just chuck the whole thing out the window when he was done, right on the beach. And I'm running, and I'm like, what a disgrace, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, I can't believe he just did. And I, as I got through, going through my run, I felt the Lord say to my heart, Who's worse, him who doesn't know better or you that knows better and didn't pray for him and go pick it up? <sighs> and now the rest of my run, I mean, I'm in tears because the reality is I was somebody who would have done that before. So now I'm going to, this is just a young kid that that's insecurity, that's low self-esteem because he doesn't see his value or worth. He doesn't see the value or worth of anything. So he's just like, whatever, because life's just done him wrong, and he doesn't see it right now. And instead of me having compassion and being like, Lord, you know, I hope you encounter him the way you encountered me. Lord, I pray right now that you go and save him, that your love would touch him wherever he is, and I go over and pick it up for him, because that's what the Lord did for me. He absorbed my debt, and he's, that's what he's asking me to do. That's what love does. Love absorbs the debt. It says, love takes no account of wrongdoing. So I'm over here taking account, and I'm in no position to. And the whole run, I'm, I'm like, oh, I got to go back there and pick it up. I got to go back there and pick it up. It wasn't even about that. It was about the Lord just revealing to me what was in my heart. It, it, this can't come in a place of condemnation. 
See, now, the other part of it is it that I'm in a Christ consciousness that even when I'm on my run, I'm listening and talking to the Lord, that that's how I do life, that, that the Lord can speak to me in any moment because I'm looking for it. That's, that's how we live life as believers, that I don't care if you're the most crazy situation you're in, the Lord wants to speak to you as long as you're looking. Because the more I look, the more I see you speaking in that, you speaking in that, where I can't even keep up with it. It's like you're speaking too much, Lord, slow down. Because I just see him in everything now. And it's all about me becoming more like him. And there's this like religious thing he, I feel like he wants to destroy because it's, there's no love in it. There's, there's this like, it's about being right. It's like, ah, I'm right. And then, it, you know, like you could be so right that you're wrong because you're not Christ-like. You know, and people like get afraid about preaching about grace because people abuse it. But we're saved by grace. We can't not preach grace because someone else is going to abuse it. That's on them. Like if someone else takes grace to where they think they can do whatever they want, I can't change that. But I'm never going to not preach the grace of God because it's what's saving me. It's what's empowering me. It's the thing that has caused an effect on my heart to produce fruit for the kingdom. That's why Paul says the grace of God that I received was not without effect. So the only way grace can go without effect is if you don't actually see what you received. If that you just take something and you don't actually have understanding about what it is. Because if you get an understanding about what it is, it's going to produce something in you. You're going to have an effect. You're going to be cut to the heart. This is what, like, she was praying over me and said that. And it was another word from the Lord that was special to me. Because I was going to talk about that tonight. About being cut to the heart. When Peter was preaching at Pentecost... It says that they were cut to the heart with the words of God because it says with many words he spoke to them. He was speaking by the Holy Spirit. He was speaking the words of God. So when the words of God come out, it has to cut through something. It's got to break through the barrier. And you're the one that has to let it in because if you resist it, there's no way for the Lord to encounter you. And this is why when we have ministry, sometimes we get in a place where you know, you got the big minister coming in, and we're, we're expecting, like, he's going to lay hands on me, and I'm going to be blasted. <laughs> and you're not even in a place for anything to happen. You know, there's a place where I've been, like, just tired, still loving the Lord, but, like, nothing, you know? And then there's other times where I'm so hungry, nobody even touches me, and I'm just on the floor. So you don't need someone to lay hands on you to have an encounter with God. It's literally like the Holy Spirit cannot resist your hunger for him. And you got to get in a place where you're cut to the heart, where you're so moved by God's love that you just need to encounter him. You need help with whatever that thing is. And I'm telling you, there, there's a place where you'll go down and you'll come up different. You may not be totally healed of every single thing in your heart. Something's being renovated. That's why it says be filled with the Spirit. That's why people say, well, why do you got to be filled over and over? Some people leak and all this. No, it's that there's constant renovation going on because we're being changed into the fullness of Christ, which is what we're going to get to eventually. <laughs> he says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. We read that all the time. It's a very common scripture and we say it, but think about that. There's so much to him that he's describing it in all these different measurements. Measurements tell you that you can get more. 
If it can be measured, you can get more. So I need more. I want more of you, God. I want more of you. I'm hungry for more. Yesterday's touch isn't enough because there's an ongoing renovation in me. And until I look exactly like you, the job isn't complete. So I'm not like coming up, just trying to get touched and then going off. And I'm like a minister now. It has nothing to do with that. You're all a minister. You're all in the ministry of the gospel. You're all ministering to everybody in your sphere of influence because you carry the name of Christ. So I'm trying to get a touch because I want something in my heart to be renovated. So when I get up, I have more compassion for people. He says, and know, excuse me, know the deepest, the love of Christ, and to know his love that surpasses knowledge. So it's not something I can gain just by head knowledge. It's not something even just by renewing the mind. This is why it says the letter alone brings death. Because if I just try to get it by my intellect, by my smarts, I will have this book memorized and I'll kill Jesus when he's in front of me. That's literally what happened. That people who had the word memorized didn't even recognize love in their face. And I don't ever want to be like that. So I need the Holy Spirit's touch so that I can have an encounter for my inner man so that I also have the Spirit overwhelming me with his love because let me tell you something there's something that happens in the spirit when he touches you where you know it's personal to you it's not a corporate thing it's a, a personal encounter with you that now you know he came for you that's what happened to me more lord because i was desperate like everyone else is falling down and i'm not and i know people have been there like, there's people that have been there, like, well, everyone else got prophesied over, everyone else fell down. Like, your time's coming. Just keep seeking him. Just don't give up until he comes. Because he's not a respecter of persons. He will come. And when he comes, your life is never the same because you know it's personal. It's not just the corporate body. It's he came for me. He knows my name, which he does know your name, and we preach it, and you receive it by the word. But there's something different that happens when he comes upon you. And that's where you start this process of being filled with the Spirit, being, having the inner man renovated. So I don't just want my mind renewed with the Word. I also want my soul being touched by the Holy Spirit. And there's things happening in me that I can't even see being healed. And so he says, watch this, 19, And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So when there's filled is renovate in the Greek, to the measure of the fullness, which means I can get more. That there's this how deep, how wide, how high of the love of God. There, that there's areas that I've never even touched in him. There's, there's sides of his face that I haven't even been real, revealed to me yet. There's his majesty in his kingdom that when I see it in a different way. That's why you can fall over with joy and you can fall over with tears. Levels of intimacy, levels of joy. There's all these different ways of encountering him, and I want it all. You know, I want everything that he has for me because he paid for you to have it. And so we got to lift these things off of us that keep us from getting into the deeper places within ourselves. Because ultimately, the scripture says that he came so that Christ would set us free and that we would be truly free. He came for freedom. So the only person that could keep me in bondage is myself, even though, yeah, I could get up here and sing, we have the victory. But if I'm like literally in offense all the time, in angry and unforgiveness and bitterness, I'm really not free. 
So I've got to ask myself, what is this? Where's that coming from? And the Holy Spirit will reveal it. So he says, chapter 4, As a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. So I started saying that you've all been called to something. That you, you have a sphere of influence, whether you know it or not, that everybody around you is paying attention. Whether you know it or not. Whether you're trying or not. That even just walking as a Christian, even just saying, I'm going to church... The Bible says, don't take the Lord's name in vain. It's not just a curse word. It's carrying your name as a Christian, which means I have to, supposed to be living Christ-like. And I can't do that trying to behavior modicate. I have to do it from a place of love and compassion. And the only way I can do that is if I'm honest with myself in my daily living, like what's coming out of my mouth? What's, what, what hasn't come out of my mouth that's in my mind? And don't think because it's in your mind that it came from you. There's stuff that comes into your mind that you just need to recognize right away. That's some dumb devil. Because it, I, don't even, I don't even like that. I don't even think like that. But I, he wants to get you in a place where, not, not the Lord, the, the enemy wants to get you in a place where you all of a sudden getting worried. Like, why is that there? Why did I think that? Maybe I got a problem there. Maybe I need deliverance. And all of a sudden I'm off on this tangent when in the reality is I just need to strike that down because that's not my identity. And the sec this is what repentance is, why people are afraid. When I repent, literally all I'm doing is saying, I don't come in alignment with that. It's, it's really identifying myself as not that. That that thing was a lie and I'm not that. And I'm coming into alignment with who I believe I really am. And there's freedom right there. So he says, Live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. We started off that that's the key right there is humility. Because pride is another big wall that keeps us from coming close. Because what it looks like, what are people going to think? Is it going to be messy? Probably it is. But it's probably one of the best places you'll ever get to be is when you can be messy around people that love you and feel comfortable. There's no better place to be, I'll tell you right now. He says... Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep unity. So these are all things that we have to do, like being patient, bearing with one, one another in love. Make every effort to keep unity. That unity is so important that he says, no, no, make every effort to make it that way. So that, that's on me. So when there's things that start to shoot up that break unity, when there's things that start to shoot up where I get impatient, that's where it's like the red light's going off, going, okay, don't stay there. Don't, like, wallow in it and go, I know, you know, there's all this stuff wrong with me. No, it's everyone. The enemy's trying to get on all of us. But your identity, the more you believe who you are, the more you won't let that stuff stick to you. Like, there was a time where I would get upset, and then I would just let it ruin my whole day, where I, I've noticed that I'm, I'm releasing things much quicker. Because the closer I get to the Lord, I can't. I can't have a Christ consciousness and let this other stuff run wild in my head all day. Whereas before, because I wasn't thinking of the Lord all day, I'd let a thought come in and then I'd run wild with it all day. Boom, 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 boom. I can't get off it. Can't get off the hamster wheel. And it's robbing you of your relationship with him. It's robbing you of your peace. So we have to go after peace like we own it. And make war against the things that rob us of our peace. Yes. 
Sorry, I always lose my place. He says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. See, there it is. Through the bond of peace. The peace is the thing that that makes us see that when peace isn't happening, I got to make war against something. This is why he says that we are spiritual warriors, putting on the armor of God in Ephesians 6. When you see that you are a warrior, you will make war against the things that God makes war against. You You will see that if this thing isn't of him, I'm coming after it with violence in the spirit because it's going to try to take something from me and I'm not going to allow it. So whatever I got to learn, all of the disciplines, whether it's reading the word, praying in the spirit, worshiping, these are all tools in my tool bag to come against the thing that's trying to attack you. And having fellowship with other believers that will go to war with you is another thing in your tool belt. That's why the fellowship is so important. That's why, you know, online Christianity doesn't work. It's okay to be fed online. I teach online. But there has to be a body of believers that you're connected with, that you trust, that you can do battle with. Because we can't do it alone. He says there is one body and one spirit. You see how the scriptures just flow. It's like, I don't even know what's next, and it's speaking to what we're talking about because it's the truth. And when you speak the truth, it just flows. He says, there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. So we were called. Get that straight. We were called. Every single one of us. So you have to identify what you're being called to. Not everything looks like this. That's where passion will come from. When you find, we're going to read that he says that he gave gifts to men, which means all of us. He gave gifts out. And there's a gift in every single one of you that the body of Christ needs, which is part of your calling, which you have to find that because that's where your passion for the kingdom comes from. And we have way too much passion for the things of this world because it brings us money, it brings us success, it brings us accolades, it's the way the world operates. But God will bring all that stuff if you'll just get passionate about the thing he's calling you to in the kingdom. That's what you're designed to do. He says, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives. I don't really like this translation. I like the King James where it says, he took captivity captive. This is awesome. Because the very thing that has us captive, he took captive. Colossians says that he made a spectacle of them. Like like the Romans used to bring them out in chains and make them walk so everybody could see. And this is what Jesus did in the spirit. He made an absolute spectacle of everything that's ever bothered you. But if I don't come in agreement with that victory, I'm wasting it. I'm literally letting fear rob me of the, of the, the victory that he gave me that we sing about. But then he goes on to say, and he gave gifts to his people. The Bible says he's not a respecter of persons. So do you think he gave me a gift, but he left you out? Of course not. So there's got to be a place where, with fellowship with the Holy Spirit, you start to see, you know, what is my purpose in the kingdom? It doesn't have to be like a, a ministry thing. But let me just tell you, every single thing matters. Administrators matter. People at the door matter. Ushers matter. It's all part of the body. And as we're going to read, I'll, I'll just jump to it to save time because... I wanted to read more, but we're not going to do that. But this famous verse where it says uh, he gave pastors, apostles, teachers, you know, we all know this. I'm just going to read it. So Christ gave himself 
gave himself apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for the works of service or the saints for the work of ministry so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God to become mature. So the, the purpose of, of the fivefold is so that the saints become mature, not so that the fivefold is the thing. It's so that the maturing of the saints, so that we have a working army, because it's really not about us. It's actually about them out there, but we're always like in here and think this is the end-all be-all. But the reality is if the gifts, when he gives us gifts, it's for each one of us to benefit from each other, but also to go out there. And so what's happening in the earth right now is there needs to be a revival because there needs to be an awakening. But you have to have a revival in the church before you can have an awakening amongst the unbelievers because they have to have a place to come. So he has to bring revival in the hearts of his people so where you're so on fire about your calling that when the people come from the awakening, we have plenty of people to minister to them. Not just a Miles or somebody else that can, you know, go and sit and talk with every single person that comes in the door. There's people in here that you, you're, when you're at the mature level, you can minister to. You can talk to them. You can release the burden. You can pray. You can deliver. That's the point of this thing up here, is so that we all share in what the Lord is doing in people's lives and that we're blessed by each other's gifts and that there's enough of the body working so that there's an army of people working together to deliver the captives. It's why he came. And it includes you. So if you, like, I, I've read this verse and I've heard pre people preach on this, talking about that next line. It says, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. There's that measuring stick again. Fullness. It's a measuring word. It includes you. Because I've always read it as, you know, me attaining the fullness of Christ. And I've heard people teach that. But in reality, when the Holy Spirit showed me this, I was like, oh, that's so powerful. Is that we can't attain the fullness of Christ unless everybody does. Because you won't actually be at the fullness if it doesn't include you. I can be in the fullness all day long, but the Bible very clearly says, the arm can't say to the leg, you're not part of me. So, so if I'm trying to reach the fullness of Christ, it involves you, which, which is that's why God will take one person that he's pulled out of the darkness and, and he's done things in his heart to share with you so that you can do the same work in your heart so that you'll be confident and bold about what he's calling you to. Because I'm not worthy of this. I mean, I, I used to preach to unbelievers and that was easy because I felt like, you know, they don't know anything. They won't even know if I make a mistake. Like, I can tell them, like, whatever, and I'll go and correct it later. But you guys, I see, is like the best of the best. You know, you're God's chosen people. You know, we all are, but you get what I'm saying. I'm like, you know, it's an honor to come here and preach to you. And I just want you to be so passionate about, get on fire. He's a consuming fire. So if he's a consuming fire, there should be some aspect of you that's burning because he lives inside of you. And if not, it means you're quenching it. It's not a bad thing, but we got to throw some gasoline on that thing and get that fire going because there's an awakening coming prophetically. And it starts with us. So when, my, when I become awakened to the truth, the fire starts with me. And then I start lighting other people on fire and revival starts happening. And then all of a sudden awakening starts happening. And that, that's what I feel like the Lord is after in this hour. So I feel like I could go on and on. 
but we'll just cut it here and let's just move into uh, ministry. Maybe the, uh, people could come up and start with some music and we'll, we'll begin to pray and enter in together because the reality is I could preach all night long and at some point, you know, you digest a good meal. Like when you go out to dinner, you, you have a meal and you eat it and it was good and it satiates you and then you come back for another meal. That's the process of the spirit being edified. When we come to church, we eat the meal, we go home, we, we pray about it, we, we get into a place with the Lord where he can begin ministering to what I heard and I get honest with myself in the spirit. And so right now is an opportunity for everything we talked about. There's, there's people here that have the ability to minister to you in faith, to be a point of contact, then even where you are, even, even where you're sitting, that anything I said to you tonight ministered to you, like there's an area of your heart that has been closed off. I don't need to know it. The Holy Spirit needs to know it. It's, it's something between you and the Holy Spirit where you just start saying, Holy Spirit, I want to encounter your love in a new way where these doorways that have been locked for so long start to get open because I want to reveal the love of Christ in a world that is passing away. And the only thing that can do it is his love in you. So it's incumbent upon you to start entering into a place of fellowship with the Holy Spirit that's greater than you've ever been before. That there was a time where I came up, doesn't matter where it is, and my life was totally changed forever because of an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And maybe you've had 10, maybe you've had 20, maybe it's been going on your whole life, but there's still more. Every week when I come here, I am coming with a heart where I'm going to encounter Jesus. I am coming with so excitement in my heart that, Lord, I don't know what you're going to do tonight. I don't know what you're going to renovate in my heart tonight, but I want it. I want you. I want to see your face tonight. And so I sit over there, and I listen to the worship, and I get my heart in a place where he's all I'm thinking about. And I want you to do that right now. I want you to get in a place where you're not listening to me. You're not focusing on me. You're focusing on Jesus. And you're saying, Lord, what do you want to do with me now? Put a fire in me. Put a fire in my heart that something after tonight would be different than it was yesterday. It doesn't mean that you're wrong. It doesn't mean that you're not walking with the Lord. It means that there's always more and that you're hungry for more. That nobody has to get your engine running because your engine's already going for the Lord. So, Lord, we just thank you right now. We worship you. We, we invite your Holy Spirit to come in this place and touch your people. We invite your Holy Spirit to minister to us, Lord, to even myself, Lord, that you open up my heart, open up the gates, open up the gates, Lord, for the King to come in. In Jesus' mighty name.